0: Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya, and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast.
1: The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European
0: hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch
1: Out Podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast,
0: giving you guys European hockey. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: What is up? Welcome back to the Cane Strain Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for the best Carolina Hurricanes podcast coverage, and that is, you know, a statement by me. Uh, it hasn't been, you know, mandated by any sort of publisher or anything like that. Um, but really, you don't need anyone else to tell you that. Like if I'm telling you that, that you should just trust it and roll with it. So cool, now that we've established that, welcome to the show yet again, Um, welcome back for another Monday, and uh, this week starts the beginning of some cool guests I've been getting to talk to, you know, the funny thing, I love when uh, this lead up is is pointless, okay, like you already know who the guest is, and you know that because you can read, and if you can't read, then the fact that you got here is really impressive, Um, so whatever, but I think it's funny when people spend, like, you know, like, hiding a guest or, like, in, like introducing it, taking forever to introduce the guest. Like, dude, it's in the title, usually. Like, it's Corey Lavalette. There you go. All right? Spoiler. Sorry, everyone, uh, for spoiling it. But yeah, it was really cool to talk to Corey. He is a super nice guy. Um, you know, I want to, I mean, I already did it in the episode that we recorded. But um, I definitely want to thank him for... You know taking the time out of his day to to sit down and do that with me he definitely did not have to do that um so thanks for bringing a little credibility to the show Corey knows his stuff um really well which is why I was excited to have him on um and you know as a as a member of the media there in Raleigh it's really cool to get to talk to a guy who you know spends time around the players and the and the staff and and you know is around the team and and is a guy that um it's just it's cool to be able to ask a question and it not just be like opinion based. like I can actually put some insight because he's been around. So that sort of thing was really cool. I was excited to talk to him, um, and I think it was a really good uh, I think it was a really good conversation we had. So you get to hear that in this episode. Um, that'll be the second half of it. But as you know with this show, um, you know it's it's really hard to get into talking about real stuff and serious stuff. Before just getting stupid, so um, you know, we gotta do that first. So here it is. Uh, um, e- yikes! This is off the rails. Yeah. All right, we're back at it again. This is the new, the new uh, part of the show here, which really was always part of the show, but now it's got a name to it. And that's off the rails. And the, the point of this segment, if you want to call it a segment, it's really just kind of I'm organizing the show better <laughs> by putting production music to it. Um, but this is the part of the show where sometimes it's hockey related. Sometimes it's not at all. And that's fine. We're fine with that. Uh, I like to just think about topics during my week, um, or maybe you know it's brought up by someone, and just go off on a tangent about nothing for a little bit. And maybe take a little bit of tension out of your life because it's good to be not serious. So, the, I mean, so this is how this works. The ideal version of this to me is, you know, there will always be things I just kind of think of and just start talking about. Um, but I would really like to just get like random topics. Maybe you've thought about things or maybe you start getting a feel for like how my brain works when you listen to these um, or if you've listened in the past. And you think, like, oh, I bet you he would have something to say about this because you're probably, chances are you're probably right. Um, And I have way more thoughts than the average person about almost everything that exists in life. Um, And so that would be cool. If you want to treat, if you want to tweet, and now it feels like I'm saying treat with like a speech impediment. If you want to tweet at me, you can do it at Kane's Train Pod um, and use the hashtag off the rails. Okay. And I'll share that and everything. And I'll usually throw out some stuff asking for it. Um, but just know that any time of your life, you can do that. And I will keep up with that and, uh, you know, and answer those for you. I have one. Well, this was, a (laughs) this was, uh, passed along from, um, Dr. Matthew Arp, who hosts the Ice Analytics podcast, which is great. You should go listen to it. Um, he is way too intelligent um, of a person to be communicating with, with this show, but he does, uh, and that's awesome. <laughs> He's a good guy. But uh, this is the one he forwarded along to me. He said, what are your thoughts on the conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh? And the, the greatest thing about that is I probably didn't even say that right. And I'm gonna be honest, when I saw that, I went, hmm, that's a thing. Definitely. Uh, but I don't know what it is. And maybe I should, but I don't. So, uh, you know, I just responded and said that's way too intelligent of a cover. I looked it up and it's like <laughs> you know, very serious like uh territorial dispute between cultures and like <laughs> not something I have any chance of forming an opinion that matters at all on it. Um but you know that was that was a joke for sure um from from that but the 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 sentiment is the, is true you know send along things and i will form an opinion on them my opinion on that is that what that's it so um thank you dr matthew R, for uh bringing in some some uh some real stuff to the show we could use a little bit of it from, you know, every now and then, I suppose. But hey, this week, um, I there's not a lot that's been going on to, like, draw from and, and think of things to, to talk about. Um, but one thing I've noticed lately, and I guess it's just because I wa- I'll watch a lot of, uh, like, podcasts and stuff. And on YouTube, what is what is YouTube doing? Why is YouTube, like, becoming like, controlling e- like, they won't let you say anything, dude. Remember when YouTube used to be uh, just, like, what, it's anything? Just videos, and you would just go and it was great. Um, and now, like, there's so much stuff on there, but they are, like, really trying to, I don't know if it's just, like, cover their ass as far as, like, kids seeing things they should. First of all, dude, when I was, like, 11, okay, the <laughs> We used to go on YouTube. Dude, we saw videos that definitely weren't age-appropriate. And we would quote the shit out of them all the time, okay? And they were not appropriate at all for a sixth grader or whatever I was. And if any of my friends are listening to this, they would definitely be like, yep, that's that statement is true. Um, and we turned out fine, okay? Well, I turned out like this. But, like, this is fine, you know? I'm all right. I'm doing fine. Uh, so just... I don't know. Watch your kids. Like, why is it, why are we, why do you have to censor everything in the world just because people can't control what their kids are watching? Like, just tell your kids like, Hey, also your kid hasn't heard the word fuck before. Come on. I got news for you. If your kid is past like the fifth grade, everybody at school is, is talking not in a way that you would think would be appropriate for their age. Okay. That's just, that's just how that goes. Like, I'm just here to tell you that that's how, that's how that works. You heard the phrase like, "Oh, the kid rides the school bus." I mean, dude, kids, and nowadays it's got to be way more than when I was growing up because the internet has just been way more established, and like everyone has a you know smartphone from the time they're like six. So you're you're plugged into like all the all the trends and social media and stuff. Is people of all ages. So you got people that are in their twenties and thirties that are putting stuff out, and there are people that are like eleven consuming it. So they know. Uh, you know, don't get, get, don't get your kid a phone or don't have your kid a computer (laughs) if you don't want them to see stuff. But like, I'm a grown ass man, dude. I don't want to go in on YouTube and go to watch something. And the people are like, yeah, we can't talk about this because they'll pull our monetization. Like YouTube, just chill, dude, just chill. Now we're going to have to create a new thing to, to be like uncensored. I just, censorship is so stupid. It's really stupid. I fucking hate it. And, uh, I'm glad that this is not censored because it allows me to be my true self. I really, you know, it used to be when we first started, it was censored. And really when we first started, like I didn't, you know, it could have been uncensored and it wouldn't have really changed anything. Um, but I just, whenever there was a thought or something just came, like, I just want people to be able to say what they want, you know? Like I would have guests on and I would have to tell them like, yeah, you can't, or you, you can, but then I had to write it down, like write down every time they didn't go back and put in like a goal horn or a know, you know? It's fine, but, like, I just want people to be able to say what they want to say. I want to get, like, if, I, if, if you're on my show, I want the real you. And if you don't say anything inappropriate, then fine, that's the real Like, it's okay. Not everybody has to be, like, vulgar. You know, we don't need that. Um, but, like, I don't want to hold back my thoughts because what's the point? What's the point of doing it? If you're going to, like, not, not say what you want to say, then why are you speaking into a fucking microphone and recording it and putting it out for the world if you're not saying what you really want to say? So all this censorship shit, man, censorship shit, hard to say, um, should have censored that part of it. It's fucking stupid and I don't like it. And, uh, if that offends you, you know, it's fine. you you have a right to be offended. Um, but also just stop being offended by things is really what it is. I don't think I, I don't think I really, I mean, I guess maybe there are certain things definitely that I would say like trigger me. Um, but all in all, like I don't really get a, it's really hard to offend me. Like I might not think something's funny that you say, uh, because I'm like, Hmm, it just wasn't funny. Like it just wasn't because r- the, the truth is like, if you're making a joke, I hate when you're making a joke and someone takes it so seriously because like, I'm not saying crazy shit or stuff that could be considered offensive without making it pretty clear that it's a joke and like, you know, if you don't pick up on that, you might just it might be you. like it might be you. you might be the problem. Um, you're gonna be offended a lot, probably because you're just gonna miss the cues. like it's a it's a socialization thing, I guess. I also grew up though in a group of friends that we just shit on each other constantly. like not nice. Like I think I've probably told this story before, but uh, i i I think I was like twelve. It was in sixth grade, I believe, and I had a good group of friends. And, uh, my parents were like, yeah, we'll throw a party at the house, invite whoever. And so I invited like 10 or so friends and we, <laughs> we were just, you know, talking to each other like we normally did. And I remember my dad coming up to me and being like, these are your friends? And I was like, yeah, my best friends. And he was like, are you sure? Cause it seems like you guys hate each other. And I was like, "No, nah, I love these guys. That's just what we do. And he was like, okay. Cause you're being like really mean to each other. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. it's all love, you know, um, that's just how it is. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess that's my point of like what do, what are we going to get to? Are we going to get to a, a a point where uh you can't say anything? Like the internet if the, when the internet starts being censored, isn't that what like, you know, isn't that not freedom? <laughs> like isn't that what like these countries, you know, overseas that you're like, wow, that that's terrible. they live under these dictatorships, and they control all the isn't that what that is? That's how it starts. I'm pretty sure. like you know, I'm not a history major, but like that's how that stuff starts. so like let's not let's not do that. You don't have to agree with everything everyone's saying at all. I definitely don't agree with most things that other people say, <laughs> but it's fine. you could say them like i'll I'll take them as I will, uh, but you know this I don't know. I don't want to get too serious about it. So I guess I'll just leave it there. But like, isn't it annoying? I think so. Like, just say what you want to say. And if you don't agree with it, just don't listen. Like, imagine listening to this podcast and being like, hearing one thing that you don't like, and then take, instead of just hitting pause, or like closing it out or something, you you listen to the whole thing, And then you think hard about how offended you got. And then you like write that down somewhere. Like what? Just turn it off. (laughs) If you don't want to listen to it. I mean, what do you think I do when I, if, if something comes on and I'm like, I don't, this isn't my thing. I just turn it off, dude. I don't write a fucking letter to them saying like, this was so, I can't believe you were saying these things. Like, don't do it. Don't go. Don't go to the thing. But also like it's life's probably going to you're probably going to be offended a lot because like it's life and people are just going to say what they want to say. It's OK. Just don't be around those people. Like don't do it. So, you know, the choice is yours, I guess. Uh, but yeah, YouTube, chill, chill. Just let people, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying you should post like hate crimes on YouTube, but I mean, like. It's the level of stuff you're not allowed to say in a lot of videos. And also they, they post stuff and they're like, is this video for kids? And I'm like, I mean, no, is any, What well, you have like, what is there? Like a serial, and, instru- you know, like, I don't even know where I was going with that. Like arts and crafts video. Like there's no, it's not what it's for. I mean, it could be, I guess, but like maybe that should be its own thing then. Why do we have to dumb it down for, you know, literally children why can't it just be for adults or people that are, you know, okay with uncensored content? I don't know, dude. I don't get it. Just sit, like put out what you want to put out, I guess, is the point. But anyway. Um, you know, moving on to hockey stuff here. There's not a whole lot going on in the off season right now. Um, but I felt like we were still able to, you know, talk through some stuff that was that was good. So, um, you know, without a, da- without, a, without a doubt, I'm falling apart already. Uh, I'm glad I pre-recorded the rest of this because I don't know that I could go on for another 30 minutes. I think I might break. It's Sunday. Tired. I'm ready to go to bed. I'm putting this together pretty damn late because I'm a major procrastinator. But luckily, Corey was <laughs> uh, nice enough to um, sit down and record with me earlier in the week. So without further ado, which is what I was trying to say... Um, Here's the interview. Go follow Corey at Corey Love, L A V, on Twitter. Um, if you're a Hurricanes fan and you don't follow him, you're definitely missing out. Um, and stay tuned for some some other great guests coming up. Thanks for listening, as always. Um, you know, share the show. Uh, there's Facebook page, Twitter at CanestrainPod. You can follow at HockeyPodNet as well. Um, and make sure you share, subscribe, rate, and review the show. That would be fantastic. Thank you guys and enjoy this little interview. All right, I've got with me here from the North State Journal, Corey Lavalette. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. First of all, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, it's nice to get to talk to someone who is uh, you know a big part of Keynes media and uh, I'm sure you you follow Corey on Twitter and all that. you definitely should. Um, I do and it's always nice to kind of keep up with his thoughts on everything. Uh, so thanks for bringing a little bit of credibility to the podcast, if you will.
0: We'll see about that.
1: <laughs> That's fine. Um, you know, we we like to specialize in two sides. Sometimes we go crazy and sometimes we actually talk about things that matter. So maybe this will be, we'll, we're yet to see where this one ends up. But um, I wanted to start off by talking about some of the depth signings, if you will, that the Hurricanes have made in recent weeks, um, you know, kind of a, a low period of the offseason, if you will, kind of the the excitement of free agency right after the fact has happened. A lot of big trades that were going to be made have happened already, um, but it seems like the Hurricanes have spent a lot of time, particularly in the last week or two, in kind of signing some, some AHL-level guys that, you know, maybe have NHL upside, but maybe are just pieces to add to that uh, solid AHL roster now that they're in Chicago. Um, you know, they've signed... Jeremy Bracco, who's a a big-time point guy, I believe he was, what, second in the AHL last season or at least top three uh, in points, which is, you know, beneficial in having success. Um, They've re-signed guys like Spencer Smallman, um, Clark Bishop, Stephen Lorenz, got a two-year deal, which I think is worth talking about a little bit. Um, So what are your kind of thoughts on those depth signings that the Hurricanes have made in the last few weeks?
0: Well, I mean, to me, the big thing is for your young guys, you have to have guys play with them that kind of know the ropes of what it's like to be a pro on the ice and off the ice. So if you're bringing in uh, some of your young guys like Ryan Suzuki and uh, David Cotton, you know, are going to start their pro careers. um, It's good to have these guys, like you mentioned, Jeremy Bracco, David Gust, um, you know, these guys with experience that kind of know how it works. Uh, I mean, those guys obviously want to make it to the NHL too. Um, you know, we're not talking about with Bracco, a guy who's resigned to being an AHLer. I think he wants more than that, especially only at 23, but, um, but it's good to have these guys around your, you know, your young players and, and prepare them, you know, uh, for all that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I think, um, when the checkers won the Calder cup, one of the most influential players on that roster was, uh, Tomas Yurko. Who you know has some NHL experience, um, and I thought you know still had a shot of being a, a decent NHL player at a depth role. Um, but having him on that AHL deal to kind of bring some veteran leadership to that group, and also be a guy who can contribute at a high level, was a a big deal. So you know maybe some of these guys can kind of add that to that group this year.
0: Yeah, and I you know I mentioned a few guys, and it obviously these guys that they just signed are just uh, are just one year guys, but um... Yeah, year after year you kinda have to roll these guys over and have, have guys on that roster. You know, Brian Gibbons was another one. Just guys that, you know, it's not like they're, like I said, resigned to being AHLers, but they understand their role. They know they're not um you know, they're not there to be developed. They're there to produce and to, to make the players around them better. So, uh you can't go wrong and that I mean that's a big reason why we're where we we are where we're at with um you know, the move of the AHL team is that Chicago has a history of spending money to bring in veteran players that can help it. You know, they want to win, help the team win. And then also to, um, you know, help the young players along.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of discussions around the fan base of that, that move. And for better or worse, you know, I get it. Uh, having the team in Charlotte is beneficial for the proximity and cross marketing and all that sort of stuff and obviously to me it's more fun to follow the AHL team closer when they're in Charlotte uh, as opposed to Chicago but you you look at it and you know I kind of take a lot of what Don Waddell has said about it uh, I believe he did an interview with maybe it was Mike Smith about or Michael Smith with the Hurricanes about it just the resources that that team has um, and you know the the ability, not as much travel lag, uh, you know, with Chicago being such a big hub city, these guys just have more time for preparation. And I feel like that's only beneficial. And in today's day and age, like, do you need to be, you know, two and a half hours of a drive away? I mean, it's not like a guy can't hop on a, on a plane. On, well, maybe maybe not as much today. But, you know, in the future when we're playing more of these games, uh, the travel is just easier. I just, I just feel like it's a good fit for that team to be there. Um, although it is, of course, sad that, you know. We'd love it to be closer and people in the North Carolina area to be able to have a rooting interest in both teams. Um, but at the end of the day, the AHL team is kind of meant to be a farm team for the NHL. So I feel like it's beneficial for that reason. That being said, are there any guys, um, maybe out of the guys that have been added or re-signed recently that you think could be, you know, of course I don't see any of these guys making the roster out of training camp. Anything's possible, of course. But who do you think maybe gets the first couple of looks, maybe, maybe two guys that, are the first ones um, in the uh, kind of transfer to the NHL. Maybe if someone gets hurt or uh, if they need kind of a shake up in the roster at the NHL level.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you start with Morgan geeky who obviously already had a chance to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that necessarily you say he's an automatic NHLer at this point that, you know, they don't want him sitting in, uh, in, in the AHL or in the NHL, not playing. Uh, so he'll have to earn a spot. And then, um, Steven Lorenz, I've been a big fan of since the, since, uh, his first development camp. He's just a really, really good kid, a hard worker, a guy who did, who got passed over his first draft year and had to work for everything he's gotten. And, um, you know, getting that two year deal kind of shows what the team thinks of him, obviously, uh, getting to be, uh, he was, he was close to playing in the, uh, in the bubble with, with, after Jordan Stahl got, uh, took that hit and his, uh, Uh, you know, from Charlie McAvoy and his status was a little bit up in the air. Steven Lorenz was the next man up. So he's, he's close there. Obviously there's, you know, Ben, Jesper Fast has been added and, uh, well, Justin Williams is out, but, um, you know, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. He's not, uh, you know, I I don't know that he's ever a top six NHL guy, but big body, good skater, can finish around the net, uh, physical, uh, just kind of a you know, work hard kind of guy that, uh, you know, that Rod loves. So, uh, definitely keep an eye on him for sure.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, I talked a little about this last week, but Steven Lorenz, you know, he, he's been around for a a year or two, um, in the system and kind of being a guy that's been noticed. But last year, I mean the jump he made and you mentioned his training camp, I think he even got a preseason goal if I'm not mistaken but the improvement I saw in him I think he was maybe even voted you can correct me if I'm wrong or if you know otherwise but I think he was voted essentially the most improved player at the AHL level um just the jump he's made recently you being a guy that's you know closer to the team in the media in Raleigh and getting some time to be around the team a little more do you wh- what do you make of that is it just a lot of stuff i've heard is just he has a relentless attitude you know he he's got the drive and the work ethic to achieve whatever goals because it seems like he's been a guy who's been kind of passed over a lot in his career um, and he kind of has that I want to prove everyone wrong and I want to earn it um, to make it to the NHL is that is that what you believe um, is kind of the driving force to what's been his success recently at that level
0: you know I he doesn't and I haven't spent a ton of time with him but I've spent a you know a fair amount of time talking to him Um, because like I said he's one of the guys that uh, I really enjoy talking to because he he seems Mm -hmm. to have a good head on his shoulders. Uh, I don't know that he's much of a chip on his shoulder type of guy. He's really just a um, he's gonna maximize what he has. He probably knows he's not the most skilled guy out there, but uh, I think he wants to maximize uh, his ability and he's not gonna let effort or conditioning or anything like that minimize what he can do. Um, the thing that and I, I I you know, I don't recall. Which player this was, it, it wasn't related to the Hurricanes. But I read a, something about a draft pick who, uh, when he was asked about um, his NHL future, this you know, just this most recent draft, uh, somebody said, you know, well, you know, what is your, you know, what's your expectations for yourself? And they said, oh well, I you know, I think I'll be in the NHL in two thousand twenty-one, twenty-two, and that's fine. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, but. Um, when I first met, met Steven and he was at his first development camp and he's, a, you know, like I said, he's a, a, a year since being bypassed in the draft altogether. And then he's a late round pick. And I said to him, you know, what's your, you know, what's your path? And he said, well, my, you know, my first thing is to try to make the team this year. Now, does he believe that? Probably not. I mean, I don't think any kid who's a late round pick who, shows up as a 19 year old expects to make the NHL squad, but you at least right. appreciate the fact that that's what his goal is right from the get go. So uh, to me, that's what he's all about. I, like I said, I, I have a, a real admiration for the, the kid cause he's just a good uh, he's honest and he's, I think he's a hardworking player and um, he's found ways to uh, become more productive each of his professional seasons. And you, you know, this is a, a wild comparison, so I don't want to, anybody to get out of control with it. But. Hey,
1: we're just fresh off the NHL draft, so wild comparisons are, you know, what we yeah. do <laughs> this time of year.
0: Um, but, you know, a guy like Justin Williams was never the fastest guy, the most skilled guy, uh, the hardest shot, any of those things. But he found little ways to make himself a step quicker, uh, at the puck a, a moment faster. And those are kind of things you look for. Now you can, you know, it's hard to, to make up for any deficiencies you might have physically, you know, whether it's speed or, or, you know, your shot or your skating or whatever. Um, but to me, that's the thing that stands out with somebody who continually gets better level to level is they're obviously finding ways uh, to be smart on the ice and to make themselves more productive. And that's, Again, I'm not saying Stephen Lorenz is the next Justin Williams, but you know the the comparison is apt just because you think about Justin Williams and if I, if you know if any, if you ask anybody you know oh what's the thing that makes Justin Williams so good well maybe when in his career when he was younger he was he was a quicker player but really it's always been about his smarts right I mm-hmm. mean his yeah. you know his defensive smarts his uh, ability to be in the right place offensively and even as he got older that's why he could play until he was right. 38 was. Uh, just how he outthought people on the ice so uh yeah so you know we'll see i'm not again i'm not expecting a top six player here or anybody who scores 30 goals in the nhl but i think he can be a uh, a productive nhl or down the road
1: yeah well you heard it here first folks if if steven lorenz ends up being a justin williams type player uh cory lavalette broke that here yep. on the canes train podcast so uh, make sure you you tweet at him and let, let him let him know he made a great prediction and it comes true. And by That's the way, you can follow Corey at Corey C O R Y L A V on Twitter, and I recommend you do so. Um, yeah, I agree with you, and I think that the the thing that stands out to me about these players is, like you said, that that IQ. And it seems like something if you've listened to Darren York um, with the Hurricanes, kind of talk about their their plan for scouting and the players they like to draft. They're big on guys that have great, you know, whatever you want to call it, hockey sense, hockey IQ. I don't really know about the – it's kind of just intelligence in general, I think. Um, you know, hockey's not – it's a sport. I mean, it's not like sports are doing rocket science by any means, but from playing different sports in my life, I can tell you hockey's one of the more complicated ones strategy-wise, and it's so fast, uh, especially when you move up and up and up, that it you have to really make really fast decisions – And the guys that are able to do that in ways that, you know, benefit the team more are the ones that kind of pick up on things quicker than others. And so uh, he strikes me as a guy that does that. And like you said, making that improvement, there's a lot of guys that maybe, you know, get drafted, have dominated in juniors, maybe they even go to the AHL and they dominate there, and then they just can't make that jump. Um, And that to me is a guy whose skill set is there. But, you know, mentally thinking the game, he maybe hasn't been able to take the next step. And uh, to me, there's something to be said about just having nonstop success in your life uh, and not not having to kind of overcome adversity at any level and really truly develop like you've always just been a star player. Um, that can sometimes hurt your development. So for a guy that has been able to keep moving up and keep getting better, it shows me that he's able to kind of cope with the league around him and adjust to the next skill level. And um, that is to me what makes guys like that able to make that. J- I, think, I, I think Morgan Geeky is the same way. I mean, he obviously had, uh, and I believe he came from the WHL at Tri-City Americans where he had, maybe it was even a month plus stint where he was just, I mean, setting records in point numbers and just putting up crazy production. And I think that's when a lot of people started to take notice that like, oh, this third round pick might uh, be a guy we, we look at here and then joined the AHL and just kept improving. And I think he's the same way. He's a smart guy. He learned that two way game really well at the AHL level. And that's why he comes in and, uh. You know, you hear all the jokes made about him being uh, league league leader in points per game career wise with his three and two uh, in the regular season. But hey, I mean, having that success and being able to come up and, and contribute, um, you know, it's it's these guys that just think the game well. So um, I'm glad that the Hurricanes have put an emphasis on getting guys like that in the system because I really do think it's what makes um, gives you the best chance to make it to the next level.
0: Yeah, and I mean. This, you know, it's not new, obviously, this year with the draft, but um, this is what they like so much about Jake Bean, was right from the get-go, they were just like, wow, this kid is really smart, and, um, you know, some people were concerned when he was drafted that he was undersized, but, you know, they looked at him, and they were like, well, he's he's six feet tall, he's not, Man. it's not like we're, you know, we're talking uh, Dominic Fensor here or anything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know... It, Compare Jake Bean to, say, Noah Hannafin, and it, it kind of leads to your point, which is, I don't want to say Noah F- Hannafin had everything handed to him, but he never really had a chance to develop, and now mm-hmm. uh, you look at him, and he's a he's a legitimate NHLer, but he's certainly not at the ceiling where a lot of people expected him to be at at this point in his career, and mm-hmm. it, there's just hasn't been a whole lot of growth in his game. He's kind of the same guy he was. Uh, you know, from the second he stepped on the ice here in Raleigh, so um, yeah, to your point, I think that's that's fair, and it's you know, you look at Detroit back in the in the '90s and the the, the 2000s, and uh, they really let a lot of these guys marinate for a long time in the AHL until they proved, you know, they were able to play and play responsibly, and that's a you know a testament to a guy like Geeky is that when Rod Brindamore trusts you to be out there. Uh, you know, especially in the in the bubble, in a essentially a playoff situation. You know, if if Rod trusts you, then chances are you're doing things the right way. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. and when Rod Brendamore is tossing you out in your first game or two, and giving you power play time, and putting you out there for, especially being Rod Brendamore, important face offs in the defensive zone and offenses. I mean. To me, if you know Rod, that says it all. That guy is is an important person in your organization going forward because uh, Rod doesn't just throw around trust. I mean, how long did it take him to uh, trust Sebastian Aho's two way game enough to put him in the in the middle of the ice? When you know we'd kind of seen him have su- some success, like you got to really prove it to Rod before he's going to give it to you. And I think that that's those are the types of things that make this team you know exciting. Thinking about the future and the culture and you know whatever the roster is, like they're always going to be have the have good people in place so um you know the fan in me is definitely excited about that but uh i think that these are these are smart moves they're making and surrounding their ahl team with success um but moving forward to maybe some more nhl related stuff and the bridge between i guess would be restricted free agents so still two big guys out there that have both filed for arbitration we'll see if it gets there but those are warren fogle and hayden flurry um you know not guys that I think would be willing to accept their qualifying offers. You know, that's kind of just the first step in keeping negotiations going. But uh, I want to start with Warren Fogle and you think back to um, it wasn't an arbitration deal, but it it was sparked through arbitration. And that's Brock McGinn's deal that he got, um, which I believe sits at 2.1 million. Do you see Fogle as a person who's going to try to, you know, use that as a comparable and say, hey, I need at least this, especially since I've kind of shown, you know, in in the playoffs and and through stretches of the regular season, you know, how consistent it's been as an argument. But if you're the player, to me, you're arguing that that potential is there and that your production has been at least in a similar realm to a player like that. Do you think that's what he's going to shoot for in his in his arbitration and throughout negotiations until then?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're they're obviously going to aim high and, you know, the Hurricanes are going to aim low and it's going to. Come somewhere in the middle, I guess. Um it, it'll be an interesting thing to see. I think it it'll probably get done in the, you know, 1.5 to 1.8 range or something like that. I'd be surprised if he got if he got two million. But that said, this market is more about RFAs than UFAs. It's almost better mm-hmm. to be an RFA right now than it is to be a UFA. I mean, look at what Lucas Walmark ended up having to Having to settle for, and if right. you know we were to stand those two guys next to each other, they're not really that different as far as production and and all that. Um, and we kind of come come full circle. You know, we talked about Lorenz and Walmart was the same guy. You know, didn't get drafted that first time through. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think it gets done. I th- the, the problem you have with arbitration, obviously, is it can cause some hurt feelings and you know or frustration from from one side or the other. You know, you look at. Uh, Joel Edmondson in St. Louis after they got that arbitration deal done, then, you know, he was, he was on his way out. Right. So uh, I'll be kind of a trend, how this all hashes out. Um, you know, uh, we, we talked about, you know, the consistency from, from a guy like Morgan geeky. And I think that's maybe something that's lacking from, from Warren at at this point in his career. And you would hope that there's um, for all of Brock McGinn's, Faults as a player, and I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying he's, you know, he's he's a fourth liner. That's pretty much what he is. Um, right. you can pretty much expect the same thing out of him every game. Uh, you compare the Warren Fogle we had in last year's playoffs to the Warren Fogle we had in the bubble this year. Yeah. Um and it's you know, that consistency isn't there. And I know one's saying he needs to produce like he did in the playoffs, but um you know, there's 20 goal potential there, but there hasn't been 20 goal consistency. So, uh, it should be an interesting situation. And I wonder, um, you know, I wonder what his future with the organization is, uh, especially depending on what that number ends up being, and and with the expansion draft coming up too.
1: Yeah, it starts to make you wonder about a guy like that, especially when you've kind of made some signings um, of, or you know, have some guys maybe coming through the system that could potentially be bottom six guys um you know where where Fogel ends up but i agree with you i think the fair range is probably somewhere between 1.5 and 1.8 um just because like you know it's great that you've shown flashes of this great potential but um you know betting on that it's a pretty big risk for the team to take um you know so i would say short term deal a little less money than Brock and kind of show us what you got kid and if if it's there and you can show some consistency in the next season or however long it ends up being you know the max deal on an arbitration is gonna be two years. I wouldn't expect the team really does anything more than a one or two year deal anyway. Um, but you know, what what can you show? And and if you can prove, you know, kind of bet on yourself a one year deal and prove that you could be a more consistent player, then hey, I mean, stick around and, and we'll pay you what you're worth. But I could I, I could see Fogle being a guy who eventually kind of um, you know, parts ways with a team because he wasn't quite able to reach the potential that you know he needed to to be worth what he wants to be worth and whether someone else really needed to take a, uh, a you know swing at that or like you said an expansion draft guy who knows um, the other the other rfa um, that to me is probably a more crucial part of the team going forward is hayden flurry and hayden flurry is like the opposite case to me of warren Fogle, whereas warren kind of out of the gate showed these signs of brilliance and a, could be a top 6 guy and then kind of i think it was even adam gold who compared him a little bit to eric cole Right off the bat, um, and I mean, wasn't he looked he looked like a similar type player, and then kind of faltered a little bit. Hayden Flurry has had to kind of fight to even stay in the lineup for for whatever you know whatever reasons you want to call it, whether it's the coaches kind of gating him out of the lineup or whether he had legitimate things to work on, which I would argue, you know, he had some consistency to go through, uh, but then kind of came on at the end of the season and in the playoffs. I think he was one of the Hurricanes' better defensemen. Um, and I think he'll have a, a role with this team as a as a really good third pairing guy who can kill penalties and whatnot. You know, where do you see those kind of talks going, or is it is it even more complicated because Hayden Flurry has kind of taken a big jump in a short period of time?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what the team is going to argue is, you know, hey, it's great that you played better uh, in the bubble, you played better, you know, at the end of last season, um, but you know you still haven't proven that you're an everyday NHL defenseman who you know has made the point that you should never be out of the lineup so they're I mean they're gonna look at a deal and it, I, I think it'll probably fall lower than than uh than what I'm what I projected for Warren you know maybe one point two five or some or in that range um I like I mean I, first of all um I Hayden. Uh, is a is a really good guy and I, I like him a lot and I think um, he finally is starting to understand that if I'm gonna be uh, the size that I am and I look you know he looks around at those other defensemen and a lot of them are the same size but um, somebody needs to step up and be physical and I think he's yeah. maybe maybe finally embracing that a little bit and it, it's kind of funny because he's uh, he's just one of the you know Sarah, Sarah Sivian had mentioned how she asked him about, uh, you know, you know, you're so happy, go lucky, you know, what do you need to do? And he was like, I just need to be angry for, for 60 <laughs> minutes, be mean for right. 60 minutes. Um, and it's not his nature. I mean, if you, if you know him, he's, he's just not like that. Um, but obviously the, all the tools are there. Uh, I don't think anybody has any Brett Pesci slash Jacob Slavin expectations for Hayden. <laughs> Right. Um, but he has the potential to to become a, you know, a, a number four, number five defenseman. And uh, the problem is, is there's just a huge glut of guys right now. So he has to prove that he's worth, you know, he's worth being out there ahead of Jake Bean that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if if he if he proves he's better than Jake Gardner at this stage, at least comparable in the money, can the team move? jake gardner out to make room for him so uh you know the gardner deal has maybe made things a little tougher um i think if they knew now what they knew then they probably you know wouldn't make that deal uh, and i don't think it's a terrible deal and i think jake got a little bit of a raw deal last year just with how he played i thought there were moments where he was really good and it it just took some time for him to to adapt but um you know, as as you look at things now, you've got five defensemen who are making four million or more dollars a year, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them is in line to make even more after this year if if he resigns. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes down.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing, you know, to me having a four million plus guy in your third pair isn't doesn't really work. Um, and it's funny to me because the Hurricanes. I mean, you can call it what you would with DeHaan. I'm sure they were somewhat concerned about his kind of injury history and whether or not he'd be able to be a guy that's in the lineup for a consistent period of time. But, you know, they kind of traded him for that reason. And then, obviously, it wasn't the intention for Gardner to be on the third pair, but that's kind of what he ends up being here. And so it's kind of like we swapped one, you know, expensive third-pairing guy for another. Um, but, yeah, I think that Jake has a lot more to give. And he, in a similar fashion to Hayden Fleury, I feel like at the end of the year, and, look, I was a big Jake Gardner critic Um, because you know he he had so many it was impossible not to be at times he had so many moments where it was just like Jake what are you doing man I want to root for you but you're making it real hard Um, so you know I've been critical of him but I was the first one to say kind of in the latter half of the season maybe the last month or two of the season I thought he looked good Uh, his defense was much better he seemed to be in position way way more um, and made a lot of smart decisions with the puck that I think a lot of other guys wouldn't have made so Hopefully Jake continues to improve, but as far as Hayden Flurry goes, kind of comparing him to Fogle, and what we were talking about, he's he's in the boat of hey Warren Fogle has what two two full seasons now in the NHL um, of data that you can kind of look to and point to. Like Hayden Flurry's been around, but he's been a seventh guy, you know 90 percent of that time, so he just doesn't have a big sample size. Um, and this is one that I'm I'm a little worried might actually go. To arbitration for that reason, because to me there's a big discrepancy in the player's potential and what he could be, and the l- very limited sample size he's been able to prove that. So I think the team has a good argument for, you know, pay him less. He's barely, he, he you know, he hasn't technically proven that he's an everyday guy, <laughs> but you know, for a substantial amount of time. And then you know, the player's representation is going to be saying, well, look at this, you know, look at the jump he made even in limited playing time and all that. So um, we'll see where that goes. But you know, I hope that Hayden Fleury is able to get a deal that works for him. And I hope he's able to prove himself next year as a guy who is, you know, definitely a mainstay at the NHL level, but he's going to have to work for it. Because like you said, guys like Jake Bean, um, are right there as well. in kind of that same role that Flurry was in. Now to me, he kind of is going to be in that seventh defenseman role, especially with his contract and, and what year of it he's in. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how the defense shakes out. I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, good problem to have, you know, like, (laughs) you know, uh, to have all these guys and then you have a couple other guys, you know, in the system that um, you know, I think our are, are uh, you know, Joey Keane has a has a future, I think, and Jesper Selgren's a guy that not a lot of people talk about yet, but um, you know, there's a pretty good uh pretty good group of guys here and if, you know, if the thing that the team is worried about is which guy is gonna be your, you know, number six defenseman, that's a nice problem to have, uh for them as an organization
1: right definitely um we would not be talking about these problems in air quotes uh what five six years ago probably
0: yeah we're not in the brett carson uh era anymore
1: oh my goodness a lot of names that no one i could i could think of a lot of just obscure nhl names just from being a hurricanes fan for you know the last 20 years like it's (laughs) there's a lot of them out there that i could name that people around the league would be like who in the world is that Um, but moving on, we don't want to think about those times. Um, the last thing I kind of want to talk about here is, you know, we've, like I mentioned, we've kind of reached a little bit of a ceasefire as far as NHL deals go. And I mean, look, the Hurricanes still have these two, these two RFAs that, you know, who knows where they end up, but you obviously have space allocated for those guys to get signed. You want them on your roster next year. Um, and then looking forward, you've got to think about Svechnikov, Dougie Hamilton, if you're able to re-sign him, hopefully, um, a lot of things to think about whether or not the team, you know, keeps pushing its cap, and and you know they ha- definitely have a plan going forward. I think at this point, after signing Jesper Fast, um, I think that the team's plan, if they want to make any changes, would kind of have to come via a trade. And to me, it has to come with moving. Um, you're either swapping positions, so a goalie. I think that's the biggest talk right now is like swapping, trading one of your goalies for another, where you know you don't, you're not just taking a big cap hit to add one, which I think is why the Hurricanes didn't go with the goalie in free agency. And I'm not upset that they didn't because I don't know that there was anyone that was going to be a notable improvement that didn't get paid way too much for what I think they're worth personally. Um, But I think that a a trade is something the Hurricanes would have to do. And whether it's moving one of their goalies for another goalie, um, and maybe, you know, another piece if they need to, or trading a maybe a contract that hasn't quite worked out and, you know, whoever that is, I think there's a couple guys now that fit that, Um, you know, I'd love to give Nino more time, but um, a guy with a, you know, $5 million hit is, is going to hurt if he's only able to put up seven goals this year. Um, And, you know, a Jake Gardner, like I'd love for him to keep going too, but at a certain point you have to think about risk reward of sticking with contracts like that for another year and kind of being locked in. Um, What do you think, the hurricanes might try to do to kind of change their lineup at all or do you think that they're kind of just sticking with what they've got going into training camp
0: i mean it's going to be interesting to see i don't i don't know that there's a place for nino elsewhere right now just because of the cap crunch mm-hmm. that everyone has and you know that number is tough now is there a place maybe for orion to zingle somewhere maybe you know um it, it that'll that'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. You know, right now, again, there's there's competition essentially for to, to be a forward who's going to play. Um, yeah. And and Dzingle was kind of the odd man out in the in the postseason last year, so I don't think you want to have a guy making three million just sitting there uh, in a suit collecting his money. Uh, and I think there are other teams that could potentially, you know use someone like him, but the question is I don't think anybody's going to give a whole lot to do that. So so much of this is going to depend on what happens with the rest of the RFAs that are out there. There's Mm -hmm. just so much uncertainty with uh, the flat cap and, you know, like I said it's it's beneficial for RFAs over UFAs right now. You've got guys that are still out there that probably expected big paydays that are sitting Mm -hmm. there wondering, you know, what happened? How did I like, they knew that this was going to be a tough market with, you know, with everything that's gone on. But, um, you know, I, I think that once the RFA stuff gets settled and the, the dust kind of settles and everything clears up and everyone has an idea of where they're at on the cap, then then teams are going to kind of go through that next tier of free agents. And, uh, you know, maybe teams are willing, if they, if they can't, make an addition in free agency. They'll, they'll look at some of what Carolina has and maybe the hurricanes can offload, you know, one or two of these contracts that maybe don't fit quite as well. And then if you do that, then you open the door for, you know, can we do something else? Can we upgrade the goaltending? Can we add another forward? Um, You know, whatever the case may be. I, my gut tells me that there's already three goalies under contract on one way deals for next year. Now, you know, they can bury Alex Nedeljkovic in the minors, assuming he, he clears waivers and not take a cap hit on that. But, uh, already having three goalies and then having them making what they're making (laughs) makes it tough. I think to add another, I don't know. There are many teams that are going to want, you know, are going to want to have those cap hits on their, on their, uh, on their budget. Now, you know cash wise if there's teams that need to reach the floor maybe something can happen uh cause it's going to be uh uh it it really just depends so much on on how these RFAs all hash out and not just with the hurricanes but around the league i mean what is a guy like matthew Barr's all going to get you know does anybody even know right you know uh in a normal year we'd have a whole lot clearer Well, we have we'd have a totally clear vision cuz we'd be in the season right now but uh pretending this was a regular off season we'd have a, a a much clearer picture of where everything stands but uh there's just so much uncertainty and uh you know the idea that the cap is flat this year and next year and that uh you know money's ton of money is going into escrow and all this stuff it just, it makes everything very uh you know very blurry about where where you can go from here uh especially if fans aren't even going to be in buildings to start the season
1: right yeah, it's a tricky offseason for sure to to kind of predict and, um, you know, know what money's even out there, and this is definitely not the norm. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think that pretty much wraps up kind of thoughts around the team and this boring, if you will, part of the offseason. Uh, I really appreciate you joining me today, Corey. Everyone can go follow Corey at Love on Twitter and check out his stuff with the North State Journal. Um, anything you want to take time to plug real quick before we go?
0: No, no, just I um, appreciate the time and I'm always happy to talk and I'm, you know, uh, I'm excited to hopefully in the near future, get back to the rink and uh, get to the new practice facility, which is, um, yeah. you know, I've been over there a couple times during the building process and just kind of looked around and, um, you know, excited for, for what that means for the team and for, and for my son plays youth hockey, not right now, but normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that means for the area. And, uh, you know, hockey as a whole in North Carolina, uh, pretty exciting stuff. So, uh, you know, just more than anything, uh, you know, want to encourage everyone to be safe and, uh, you know, be thoughtful of, of people out there that uh, maybe aren't as, as fortunate as you with their health, uh, wear a mask, all that stuff, and try to, uh, you know, try to take care of everyone and, and be thoughtful and, and and humane to everyone. So that's that's the main thing.
1: Well, there you go. Smart hockey guy and, and wise as well. Thanks, Corey, so much for joining us. Um, really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you.